Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we're here to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 100, no, 100, 209. That was, took us back a couple years. I was going to say, I'm not prepared for this episode, if that's what we're reading. <laughs> this one's titled Salvation. It has a cover date of September 1986 and a release date of June of 1986. Uh, this website that I'm reading this data is no longer very specific about the release date. So now it's just June. <laughs> I'm just going to wing it now. Um, 22 pages, 75 cents. That's, that's all the information I got. Good stuff. A lot of people in the Marvel box there. Got- uh, June 10th. I found it. Nice. You got Kitty, Magneto, Wolverine, Nightcrawler, Rachel, uh, Colossus, Storm, and Rogue. Just a ton of faces up there in that Marvel box. And as far as Colossus covers go, this is probably one of the classics. I like this cover. It's it's Colossus fighting Nimrod, and he is he is crushing Nimrod's wrists, but Nimrod does not look discouraged at all. I have never been a fan of JRJR's colossus i like his other stuff but for some reason the colossus always bugs me hmm. i don't mind this colossus although now that i kind of scrutinize this image nimrod's legs look out of place he's he's bent over yeah he's doing a weird pose. it's like actually i think he is in pain because if you look at the the his hands are being crushed by colossus yeah he it, they are but i just kind of interpreted this as a I will not submit because his little vaporizing triangle is blasting Colossus at the same time. It's an even match. Yeah, and he's got like evil eyes too, but he it looks like his his waist is like being Oh, I think he's like squatting down and bending over at the same time. Yeah, he's he's kind of it's like Colossus slightly tilted him over. So whatever position he started out in Colossus has has moved him from that position. I think he's doing a combination ah and ah uh, yep. One of which is in pain, and the other which is in "I will destroy you." Still, I'm not complaining. I this is a this is a great cover. It's a good classic X Men cover. I like all the reds and pinks. So it's an unusual color palette. This one is written by Chris Claremont. It is uh, bra- broken down by J.R. J.R. P. Craig Russell is the guest finisher. Although you know, finishing wise, I I really couldn't tell the difference. Good quality issue. Uh, Tarmor Zakowski's lettering. Glynis Oliver is the uh, colorist. Anna Senti is the editor. And Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief. And uh, Nimrod is, he, as you recall from last episode, he hovered over the um, the the Hellfire Club and the X-Men, and he said, I'm Nimrod! And, and there he is. Now we get the top angle of Nimrod hovering over all of the mutants. And uh, I guess I should also say that the a couple of the Morlocks are here as well. Yeah, where we where we left off last issue, the uh, there were a couple of Hellfire goons about to, they just came out of the bushes. They were about to shoot Storm in the back of the head, and that's when Nimrod showed up. Uh, Rachel was had decided that she's better off going off on her own, so she's somewhere else in Central Park. And uh, I believe Warlock and, or Warlock, uh, um, Callisto and Wolverine and Nightcrawler are all hanging back somewhere. In this panel, you can see Callisto and Caliban up towards the Salvation logo. So they're running towards the, well, the action. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Celine is like, whoa, this guy calls itself uh, Nimrod. That's the greatest hunter in history. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, you can look him up on Wikipedia, which I did. He was a uh, he's a real he's a real figure, which, which I, I never knew. I always thought... It was just a wacky name. Let's call this guy Nimrod after the Green Day album. Yeah, right. So in my family, when you did something kind of dumb, we referred to one another as a Nimrod. Like 
why are you being such a Nimrod? This was prior to me knowing that Nimrod was a god or Nimrod was a evil robot from the future. So when I first got interest, uh, introduced to Nimrod, I was like, oh, what a dumb name. Yeah, it, it does. It does sound. I mean, that's that's the uh, that's the name that I'm or the version of it that I'm also more familiar with other than the Green Day album. Yeah. So um, interesting Nimrod choice. Was a, a, a figure from the Bible who was a king of Mesopotamia, apparently. Oh. So there you go. He was he's known as the hunter. I must have fallen asleep during that particular lesson in Sunday school. Yeah, well, didn't you didn't you study Wikipedia in Sunday school? Because <laughs> that, that's the easy way. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, so everybody else is there. Frederick von Rohn, he's he's been transformed into the the wolf dude or whatever. He's so he's like he's ready to kill. You've got Tessa and Shaw. They're not really quite sure what to make of it, but Shaw's being super confident, which Harry Leland. Uh, thinks about it, is like, God, why is he so confident? Oh, I'm so scared right now. We get an idea of Tessa's powers is that she's sort of a analyzer and I guess she's able to assess situations and feedback information very quickly. Yes. We don't, we don't know too much about her yet, but she's always at his side as the caption points out. Kitty points yeah. out to Storm. She's like, uh, well, you were in Africa, but we fought this guy and it sucked. <laughs> Meanwhile, I read the files. <laughs> right. Meanwhile, Rachel had run off on her own. She'd kind of paint, uh, fainted. She's still holding herself from her uh, together from her battle with Wolverine, and she catches a psychic glimmer of Nimrod, and she's like, oh, no. I know this guy. He's trouble. It's kind of a recap of the last issue where she decides, I should help, but they tried to kill me. Ah, they're better off without me. Yep, exactly. So she runs off. Uh, Nimrod is like, I'm after Phoenix, so I'm going to get her a neutralizer. And that's when the X-Men are like, all right, well, I guess we're going to have to fight him. Oh, yeah. We should also point out that um, last issue, Storm, uh, well, Colossus is underground because Harry Leland was increasing his mass or something like that. And Rogue went after him. And Storm told Rogue to abandon him and do the earthquake maneuver or whatever it's called. Right. And Storm had given some directions to Rogue. She had a plan that she had concocted. Rogue was kind of like, I don't know about this. But but uh, Storm, uh, very cocky, is like, trust me, we're about to even the odds a little bit. And just as she says that, the earth starts shaking and out from the ground flies an armored Rogue who has absorbed Colossus's power and left Colossus still underground. So did she have Colossus's power? So she didn't have it when she went under. I'm flipping back. Uh, no, I think she did. So, so she she was trying to help Colossus out, but then um, uh, yeah, she did. Selene right. vaporized the gloves, and so Storm, not Storm, uh, Rogue absorbed the powers. She went underground, and uh, now she's flying up. And so the earthquake maneuver is apparently to rupture the ground, uh, thereby knocking Harry Leland off balance and stunned, which means that the his power is no longer working on Colossus, and that's when Storm tells Kitty, go after Colossus! Now that the mass-shifting power is no longer in effect, we can rescue him, and Kitty dives under the ground. Ah. Hellfire Club still got their guns trained on Storm, but they're still kind of curious about the, what they should do with the robot. Yeah, I think in the last issue, you see them running out of the bushes. Yeah, they were sneaking up on Storm. Well, they, they're like, the, the bushes that they're behind now, they're in front of in the previous issue. Yes. So, like, they left the bushes. Yeah. Then, I guess, Nimrod showed up, and so they're like, we better get behind the bushes. <laughs> Let's run back a little bit. Uh, and so the guy, the I don't know, 
uh, Hellfire goon number three is like, we got a shooter. That's what Shaw said. So as they fire their guns, Callisto jumps out of the way and saves Storm's life. Callisto, I owe you my life, says Storm. Who's counting, says Callisto. And at that point, Nightcrawler and Wolverine teleport in behind the Hellfire goons. And Wolverine says, I'm Wolverine. We're X-Men. Want a party? And the Hellfire goons run away. And he says, guess not. I always like that little three-panel exchange. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so Kitty is diving down below to find Colossus. She's worried about, you know, can he breathe? Can she breathe? Is he going to suffocate? Yeah, whatever. I can't think about this. She's also mad about Rachel. Rachel abandoning them. And she's like, Rachel, don't you even care about us right now? But we flip our attention back up to the surface where Shaw is throwing punches at Rogue. And Rogue really can't do anything against him because... If she does, he'll just kinetically absorb it and throw it back at her. So what she does is she grabs him by the scruff of his neck and hurls him at Nimrod and says, Yep, awesome, you've got all this kinetic energy, let's throw it at the robot. Now, so Shaw's power is that when he gets hit, he becomes more powerful Mm -hmm. because he absorbs all that kinetic energy. Mm -hmm. Now, when he hits this tree behind Rogue, does he absorb that kinetic energy or does does that count? I would imagine, I don't know. I mean, if I was to look at this through a scientific uh, set of glasses, I would think that, number one, his punch would would uh, dissipate some of his kinetic energy, but right. the, the action of actually hitting the tree would pull more kinetic energy into him, but I would imagine it would be diminishing returns. I would think that Shaw would get the most bang from being hit rather than exerting energy to get kinetic energy. Right. Yeah. So So in theory, if he, uh, Rogue throws him at Nimrod, and if he actually hits Nimrod, he would probably gain a considerable amount of energy. I, yeah. Because he's being slammed into something. But. However, uh, Nimrod analyzes the incoming target and uses the, uh, reverses the, gravimetric polarity of Shaw to launch him into space. Yeah, which I've always, I mean, I've read this issue many times. I've always interpreted this as, okay, so he's he's got kinetic energy. Rogue has thrown him at Nimrod, which has accelerated his kinetic energy. Nimrod's like, well, I can't defeat this, so let me just redirect this by hitting him some more, which further increased the amount of kinetic energy in Shaw and then launches him out into orbit. So now this guy's just filled with energy and shooting away. I like he, that he has a giant bow on his his boat his uh, ponytail. That's well, very silly. He's fancy, <laughs> and so yeah, he he's flying out into orbit, which is weird because there's many 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 pages left in this comic, <laughs> and so you'd think by the end of the comic he'd be like on the moon, but and none of them are dedicated to him flying through space. Well, no. <laughs> But anyways, uh, Celine says, thank you for disposing of my arrival, but now I will do the same to you. But it turns out that she cannot use her powers to animate unliving materials to manipulate Nimrod, perhaps because he's alive. I don't know we if he's know. alive, but yeah, her powers have no effect on him. Kitty is still swimming through the murky depths of the earth with her phasing powers to try to find Colossus. Uh, that's when um, Celine changes tactics to actually just shoot parts of the earth towards uh, Nimrod. She fires boulders at him, which he neutralizes with his diamond blaster on the front of his chest, his chest blaster. 
Rogue wants to know why he's holding back. And Storm evaluating can- our capabilities, I suspect, suspect determining our weaknesses, the more efficiently to put us to an end. And why would he? Why should he attack when we mutants will are all too eager to slaughter each other? Callisto grabs some Hellfire guns and starts shooting at Nimrod, but they don't do any good. Pew pew. <laughs> Pew, pew, pew. Storm asks Caliban if she still senses Phoenix, and she uh, Caliban says, I do, but it's very it's very thin, uh, very dim, fading away, fading fast. Storm, who is powerless, but still the leader of the X-Men, looks at Callisto and Caliban's like, you two can't help here. Whatever <laughs> happens to us, Callisto, find Phoenix, keep her safe. Which, if I was Callisto, I'd be like, bitch, really? <laughs> you ain't got no powers. Well... You know, she's the leader. Yeah, I guess. That's her power. Okay. Uh, Rogue flies interference. Um, thinks to herself, well, she doesn't sound too hopeful about this. I can't blame her. Uh, fighting Nimrod and the Hellfire Club. That sucks. Storm attempts to negotiate with the Hellfire Club so that they can join forces against the greater evil. Um, unfortunately, what's his name? Von Rome. Friedrich Von Rome is in an animal state still. And attacks her. Wolverine slaps him off. Back off, blimp. Or he will match your claws against mine. And he goes to attack Wolverine. Uh, and that's when Nimrod blasts him into oblivion. Cripes! The robot disintegrated him, says Nightcrawler, who finally gets a line of dialogue. <laughs> Sucker means business. If we keep on the way we are fighting amongst ourselves. Oh, if we keep on fi- the way we are fighting amongst ourselves, we shall all share Von Rome's fate. So... I never learned what Von Rome's powers were. Nope. I think he was just a disposable Hellfire Club member. But he was the Black Rook or something. Not no more, he ain't. <laughs> <laughs> he dead. All right. Um, so Rogue heads up there to try to challenge Colossus. I mean, uh, Nimrod. Still in Colossus's powers. You... Weather is suddenly as nasty as can be, and she wonders if this is Storm's doing. Um... Do we ever learn what this is? Nope. Okay. It's just a mystery. Like uh, when the X-Men fought Freedom Force in San Francisco, also a weather thing happened that was kind of unexplained. So I guess the implication is that Storm's powers are still around. They just don't. She has no control over them. Yeah. They kind of do their own thing. Uh, in situations of high stress or, or what have you. The weather seems to act up, which would seem to suggest that Storm is uh, passively manipulating the weather. Interesting. When do they drop that? uh, When she gets her powers back. Oh, spoilers. Um, Storm once again extends her hands out there and says, we should probably work together on this. Or should we perish separately? Kitty is continuing to swim through the ground. She finally finds Colossus, and as she grabs him, his powers uh, return to him, and he is in his armored form. And uh, that's when... Apparently uh, this means that Rogue no longer has Colossus's powers. Yep, because she's flying around. She was flying around in an armored form, kind of taking on Nimrod. But as soon as he starts zapping at her, she loses the powers. And she's like, oh, man. Does that eventually change? Like, is there a point where Rogue can steal somebody's powers and they are still able to use theirs? Not while I was ever reading. Oh, okay. Not to say that that didn't ever happen, but... Nimrod performs a scanalysis. It's not just a scan. It's not just analysis. It's a scanalysis. Of course it is. 
She uh, he determines that the best way to maneuver against Rogue is to cast a shock web around her, which he which does, and uh, collapses right into. I'm gonna hit zap, and she she falls out of the sky, and we cut to far away, uh, sitting by a tree. Uh, Rachel can can see Rogue falling out of the sky. She can barely perceive her thoughts. She's badly hurt. Big deal. So am I. The X-Men drove me away. And then she hears some strange music and it's behind a, a, a gate coming from inside the Della Court, which is a theater in uh, Central Park, which has a lot of parts in this in X-Factor over the next couple of months. Yep. So she she walks herself in and uh, a person comes out of a very space age bubbly looking building and says... Welcome, child, to the body shop, where, if you so desire, we'll make a new you. See, well, first time we were at the body shop, it was the S-H-O-P. Now it's the old English S-H-O-P-P-E. The body shop hey, if you will. The body shop hey, absolutely, yeah. Well, she, you know, she was buying her letters on the installment plan, and she finally got enough money from uh, uh, from Mariko that she could afford the final P&E. Save your money. <laughs> well, you know Pays pays really well to be a body shop owner. Is it going to bring in that much more business? I brought Rachel in. Rachel's walking through this whole psychedelic area, and she's able to see, you know, a beautiful, almost Jean Grey-like image looking back at her with a full head of red hair, earrings, normal life. And uh, oh yeah, we should point out that she's talking to Spiral while she's in here. Yeah, in I mean, case you didn't, in case you didn't know the body shop connection from. The previous time we saw it, uh, right. Spiral is the seemingly in charge of the body shop. Hey. Yes. If if for some reason X-Men 208, 207, or 206 was your first issue and not 205, then that would be a mystery. Uh, spoiler. In which case, you should go back to episode one and start at the beginning. <laughs> what are you doing starting the podcast here? You have no <laughs> idea who all these people are. So, yeah, Spiral's like, welcome. I, I got this. I can change you. You wouldn't. You'd like that, wouldn't you, Rachel? All Moore? that I want is to be left alone. Is that so much to ask? You have you have come to precisely the right place, dear child, and placed your fate in the most proper and caring of hands. As they saunter off into the body shop, hey. So, between the pages, uh, or, or during that scene, the Hellfire Club and the X Men have uh, agreed to a uh, temporary. Um, truce and Storm kind of takes the leadership reins since Shaw is flying into orbit and uh, commands Leland to uh, intensify the mass of Nimrod to bring him down uh, to the ground. Uh, Nimrod reacts by sending a blast towards the ground. Uh, it lands between Selene and Leland and Storm. Storm moves to protect uh, Leland because she wants her plan to work. If he goes unconscious, it won't. Leland's been very concerned he's been very scared he's been talking about his heart pounding and now he's like all oh, well and good x-men that you saved me and you brought us down here but what about my system and he's not a superhero he's just a rich guy who got into the hellfire club and likes the power you know what you say he's not a superhero adam but he owns a mask and a cape he doesn't, you know, want to. It's he, it's it's part of the Hellfire Club. True. He he doesn't want to be here. It's very clear. He's got he's limited options. He's a mutant. He's rich. What are you going to do? Uh, police station down the road. They see all of this commotion, and they're like, "Well, we should probably go check this out." Um, sort of the only reason they put this panel in there is to connect to X Factor. Yeah, I think you're right. 
Leland points out it's working. He's weakening, but he's thinking to himself, I mustn't, I can't, I won't, not with everybody depending on me. So he he wants to stop. He's like, I'm really tired, and I'd just like to let this go. And Leland is not a thin man. Probably doesn't have a great diet. Well, it's part of uh, his his mass power. He he's a, he's a large gentleman. Oh, so you think he's uh, intentionally increased his own mass with his power? No, no. I think and, it's just kind of a, a a one of those. Ah, the blob is a huge guy. Uh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. The, the, the powers sort of uh, relate to their physical attributes. That's clever, I guess. Nightcrawler has an idea. He's like, "Hey, we tried this thing before." And I want to try it again. So let me go do this. And as he's teleporting away, Storm's like, whoa, whoa. Even though I wasn't there, even I'm smart enough to realize this dude learns and it's not going to work again. But Nightcrawler, he jumps in there. Night uh, jumps onto his arm. Nimrod thinks to himself, oh, this is Nightcrawler. He's going to teleport. So let me do a countermeasure. And he basically, I don't want to say disintegrates, but as Nightcrawler teleports away, something happens. And it's not the normal thing. He screams in agony. Kurt is dead. He very well could be. This is not like the disintegration uh, effect that we saw for Von Rome, but he's definitely blurred into a mass of colors. So he could be dead uh, or anything else could happen to him. And then the next panel, he's all black ink and just a costume. Yep. And uh, Storm's like, oh, my God, Kurt's gone. Did he teleport? Was he disintegrated? What's happened to Nightcrawler? Now, I remember Nightcrawler using this technique of, didn't he use this on Magus as well? Yes. He teleported. A chunk of him. He's just like, it works twice. I'll try it again. Yeah. This is my one trick. I'm going to try it again. Remember when I used to do the punch thing? When I'd bounce around and punch people? I don't do that anymore. Now I just teleport parts of them. (laughs) Only if they're robots, though. It'd be disgusting if I did that on a human. Oh, that'd be the worst. <laughs> and so Rachel gets swept up into more body shop stuff. She gets to see different versions of herself, beautiful version of herself, a uh, hound version of herself, etc. And spirals like... Child version of herself. I can change you. Uh, body shop guarantees satisfaction or your money back. You can change my face so no one will recognize me. She sure can. Meanwhile, back in the park, uh, Leland is getting getting kind of sweaty and is like, oh my God, it's almost done. Must have hurt my left arm when I fell. I can hardly move it. And it's starting to hurt like the devil. Oh, and he clutches his heart and he probably tastes pennies as he falls to the ground. Is that a, is that a heart attack thing? You taste pennies? I don't know. That's what I've read. <laughs> I've never had a heart attack, so I don't know. I haven't either. Yeah. The, uh, well, everybody runs over. He's barely breathing. No pulse. What's wrong, asks Selene, and Nimrod thinks to himself, ah, Harry Leland has had a heart attack. Prognosis terminal within a maximum of 500 seconds. uh, seconds. Units mass returning to normal, restoration to internal systems, blah-de-blah-de-blah. I'm about to be at full power. And before he can get there, Colossus reaches through the ground and grabs his foot. And crushes it. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Spiral continues to lead Rachel through the elements of the body shop. This is a hell of an operation that Spiral's got going on. And what I got to wonder is, like, is this a, um, obviously this isn't in Central Park, but is this this a plane? Or is this just Spiral tickling Rachel's imagination to think that she's at this place? Based on what little I know um, about 
Spiral and Mojo, I would say that maybe Mojo gave her this place to play with. Okay. So it's, so a, maybe, it's a plane of existence. Yeah. My, my, my feeling is that it's, it's real. Maybe not all of the stuff that Rachel's seeing right now is entirely real. Like there's probably a lot of weirdness going on. So a, a combination. Okay. Fair enough. Um, and let's see. Let's see. Uh, they are her memories, but she does not know, does not care as she leaves them forever behind, referring to Rachel. So she is skipping through the paths of the body shop. She is dancing much like Spiral. She wants to be like Spiral. And so Nimrod's alarms go off. He doesn't quite know what to make of what's going on. He's he's like, I know that's Colossus, but this isn't Colossus's powers. How is he doing this? Right. He's having a massive uh, systems dysfunction, which has nothing to do with Colossus's powers. And he's like, what's going on? And basically what happened is Kitty phased through Colossus or into Colossus, and they came up as one entity, essentially, so Colossus was able to take him off balance as Kitty phased into him, causing all sorts of short-circuiting stuff. And it's nice because Peter's armored form shielded uh, Kitty from Nimrod's sensors, which I believe they used that before with the Sentinels. Mm-hmm. So she says, he's thrown for a loop, partner. Now finish the job. And we get a massive panel where Colossus slams Nimrod into the ground with a mighty womb. And if you, or a wham. And then in the next, we get a full page spread with suddenly very thick lines on Colossus's legs. But still, it's awesome. He flips him the other way. Colossus flips Nimrod in onto the other ground. Once to the face, once to the back. It's cool. Yeah. It's good stuff. Wham, womb. Remember when, uh, Hulk was slamming Thor back and forth in the movie, The Avengers. Yeah. That's what's happening here. Just wham, wham, wham. I so like these this. These are way more dynamic shots. These are. I like uh, this because it, you get this, the first panel, like off in the distance, Colossus grabbing Nimrod uh, and causing him to go off balance. That's the first very small panel. Then you get that medium shot that you just talked about where he slams him on his face and then just the giant shot of him being slammed in the head. Do you well, have this well actual issue? Oh, yeah. Is uh, is there like a, a ad in between this page so that you you just see the one and you're like oh cool and then there's like an ad and then you flip the page and you see the other one and you're like ah oh, whoa I I don't remember that much detail Adam oh man <laughs> sorry uh, and then back at the body shop uh, it's a little spacey but uh, Rachel's all in yeah she we were still getting a lot of every every step she takes she sees herself as a different version um she starts to dance she wants to be like spiral and uh with each step each lift of the arm toss of the head and each mad and madcap smile she is yeah um Celine is able to now manipulate all of the wires and such below central park you've got New York telephone. Con Ed, which I don't know what that is, but basically all the electrical wiring, telephone wiring, etc., to tie him down. Didn't we talk about Con Ed during the long shot series? Maybe. I thought we did. I think we maybe we did. We probably did. So yeah. uh, Tessa points out to Storm that Leland is dying, and Storm's like, Look, I hate to do this now. What I need you to do is focus all your energy on Shaw and uh, overcome the force effect that hurls him upwards and bring him down. So, like, I feel like this whole fight since Shaw was flung up into the sky, I feel like 30 minutes has passed. (laughs) And I feel like Shaw should be way higher than what it actually appears that he is. No, uh, fights move much faster than 
they appear to on the page. Yeah. I would say only five minutes has passed. But still, that's a, that's a long time. Like, if you're flinging somebody up in the sky... Well, once he got into space, he slowed down. I mean, you know, he had to go through the whole atmosphere. Yeah, he doesn't was... even look like he's in space, though. Like, when you see the shot of, of a Shaw going upward, you can see the green grass and the green trees of Central Park. Oh, I always assumed that um, the first time we see Shaw again, Leland's already brought him back a little bit. Okay. So he was in space, and now he's being pulled back in. But even Shaw, like, if he was in space, wouldn't he die? I don't know. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, so he, well, I'm, I'm nitpicking, but yeah, this is kind of a cool idea. Like, he's already flung into space. He's got all of his kinetic energy, probably all his kinetic energy stored up from when he was fighting Rogue, and then when Nimrod hit him, and then he's flying straight up. And now Leland is going to, I guess he doesn't do anything with potential energy, which is essentially what Leland is doing to him. But still... All of this energy, all of this power is shooting straight down from space and into Nimrod, who is tied up by all these wires and can't do anything about it. Right. So uh, all he really does is increase Shaw's mass so that he comes back. Uh, And I guess the thought would be is that uh, if Shaw absorbs kinetic energy, so as he hits Nimrod... Is he absorbing energy and then releasing it all at the same time, creating... Well, I mean, he creates quite a crater here, as we see on the next page. Yes. So uh, all that's left in the bottom of this crater is just a massive lump of Nimrod parts all over the place, and Wolverine comes in, and for some reason he thinks that he can do the finishing blow with his little three claws. I mean, I like... you know, he's going to take care of business. Yeah. I mean, I like Wolverine as much as the next person, but it's taking all of this just to do this much to Nimrod. You think just slashing him a couple of times is going to do any good? <laughs> I don't. But as... Harry uh, Leland is dead, by the way. Oh. He, that was his very last uh, action on this earth. I probably shouldn't gloss over that. Loss of life and all. Fat man had his faults, but he made his exit with style, says Wolverine. So Wolverine raises his hand up, draws his claws, and goes to slash downwards. And just as he's about to make contact, Nimrod's little parts and pieces disappear. Mm -hmm. Sucker did it to us again. Teleported himself to safety the minute we had him on the ropes. Each time he gets better and harder to beat. They hear sirens in the distance, so Tessa offers as part of the truce to harbor the X-Men at the Hellfire Club temporarily, which uh, Storm agrees to. Under the circumstances, I have little alternative. Lead on. And uh, cut back to the body shop. Hey, for the last time where Rachel sees the X-Men, her friends, her family. She wonders why why she isn't among them. Isn't that where she belongs? And she decides, no, that's over. That's done. That's my spirit. Perform a final pirouette, little puppet, through the portal into the spotlight. A star, you'll be my darling, deadly phoenix in name as well as fact. But always dancing to Spiral's twisted tune. Bid farewell to your world. What comes next? I decide. So, I guess Spiral has collected phoenix for some reason. And mm-hmm. we won't find out what that reason is for a while. And I'm not convinced that when we get there, we'll still understand what happened. But oh, <laughs> that's unfortunate. I, yeah, I don't know. This whole piece here uh, is very confusing to me. I mean, it seems like a very convenient way to get Rachel out of the mix. Um, maybe Chris Claremont had like an idea of where he was going with this, but I don't know. He's juggling a lot of balls right now. Yeah, balls. <laughs> Anyways, that's yeah, that's X Men Two and so it's so a good two parter. 
Yeah. Got yourself some Hellfire Club. Got yourself some Nimrod. So it was it was a, it was a fun adventure. So there you go. Things are about to take a dark turn. Yeah, things have been turning dark, especially since uh, before this adventure it was Nightcrawler talking about fun and adventure and uh, uh, what was his word? I was thinking about that. Do you think maybe, and this is like a total stretch of the imagination, but maybe the kernels of Excalibur were already in Chris Claremont's head and Excalibur won't show up for another few years, but maybe he's already kind of like got the idea of it worked out. As we know, Alan Davis is about to show up in some issues of X-Men as well. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's the reason that he got rid of Rachel as well, is because he had the kernels of Excalibur. I don't know. Maybe he didn't realize it was going to take a few years for that to actually happen. I don't know. That's a bold... I mean, it'd be a, if, if you didn't have a green light on Excalibur, it'd be a pretty bold move to start moving characters out of the Jeremy, lineup. he's Chris effing Claremont. Ah, you're right, right. And so maybe at this point he's like, I don't care. I'm Chris. I'm the I'm the CC. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I don't even know. I don't want to spoil anything. For those of you that haven't heard or read the next issues of X-Men, I don't want to spoil anything because all the good stuff's about to happen. So I, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, we got uh, we got a note out on the website from Close Shave Xavier. Or Xavier. No. <laughs> Xavier. Somebody uh, posted something that was like, gosh, darn it. It's Xavier. I think it was this guy. Not in my world. Xavier. I think it was, I think it was Close Shave Xavier who criticized us for pronouncing Xavier. Hmm. No. It was mainly you. I'm not going to stop. I'm <laughs> I'm too, just, I, don't think, I don't think you could. I'm it's too, ingrained. I'm too old to, to change my ways. Uh, but he does say, uh, top shelf hooch, guys, you've waded into my all-time favorite era of the X-Men, mine as well, the eve of the mutant massacre through Claremont's departure. Uh, yeah, I guess I could go along with that, all of that. Oh, wait, um, he says the eve of the, the mutant massacre, so like... That's what we're in. We're in it now. Yeah. Uh, the, the mutant massacre is... That's like right around the corner. Yeah, we're, we're like, we're about to pass the eve of it. Yeah. Um, death, dysfunction, and disillusion awaits. Suggestion for your 300th episodes. Instead of a comic review, you should live stream the two of you playing slash reviewing one of those X-Men role-playing games completely sloshed, of course. And uh, I don't know how we could do that. I don't know. I don't even know when that would be. It seems like it'd be like a year and a half from now. But I do actually think that that would be a fantastic idea to find a copy of the Marvel superheroes role-playing game, and then one of the X-Men modules, and then try to play it. I'm sure you can find all that stuff on eBay. Oh, I'm sure it'd be really cheap, too. Like, I'm not I worried. Fact, I, I, I bet you could even find it online in PDF form. Oh, but it wouldn't be the same. <laughs> like, sure, but... I'd need the box and the books and the dice <laughs> and then the, the module books. The, the real problem would be is that if we did that, I wouldn't want you or I to be the quote-unquote DM or whatever they called it in Marvel. Like, we'd have to have a third person like running the game so that we could be like arguing amongst each other as to what the characters should do. <laughs> so we got mm, 68 episodes, like a year and a half to try to work out those details. But I, I, I do like that idea. I think that's a great idea. Uh, yeah. For 300, we should definitely uh, not do a comic review. Maybe answer some fan questions. Maybe, uh, maybe come up with something to argue about. <laughs> that'll be hard well you know if we if you role play this game i'm sure there will be plenty of stuff to argue about well especially like the modules i don't know if there was really any original adventure modules i think like there was like 
actual adventures that you had to role play on. So then the argument would be like, no, Wolverine did this. No, Nightcrawler did that. Like super in-depth nitpicky stuff is what we'd argue about. <laughs> and we'd lose. So. Well, who would lose? Because well, doesn't somebody have to run the game? Somebody has to run the game. So it'd kind of be like you versus me? No. Well, so like we wouldn't be, well, I, it's been a long time since I played, but I think like the way it worked is like you would control a couple characters, like the decisions they made and then the dice rolling. I would control a few of the characters, the decisions and the dice rolling, and then the the game master, DM, or whatever they call it in Marvel Super Heroes just kind of reads like, this is the setup. This is what happened. Oh, if you missed this die roll, then this person kills you or whatever. We should take one of those board games that there are now where it's you versus the game and just transform it into an X-Men thing. Like what? what's a you versus the game? I don't know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, I could name a whole bunch of them, but. Name one. I, uh, well, a, a bad example would be Pandemic. Okay. No, no, I, 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 I can kind of see it. Well, that, that would involve like a whole bunch of like writing and stuff. But I, I think like a game like, have you heard of Dominion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Dominion is one where the game essentially has it out for you and you team up. Wait a minute, there's a there's a X-Men card game like that's like Dominion. I've I've only seen it uh, and I've not purchased it, but that could be the game. Yeah, there's there's a lot of X-Men stuff out there. I don't know if any of them fits into Maybe not this category that that would be a more modern version of what Close Shave Xavier has suggested. Um what about uh, have you ever played Munchkin? There is a Munchkin X-Men I saw. Yeah. Uh, I I don't like Munchkin. Well, nobody I don't think anybody really likes Munchkin. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole point of Munchkin. But uh, you, you throw X-Men on top of it, maybe it becomes tolerable. I, uh, the, the the problems that I have with Munchkin, and the only Munchkin I've played is Cthulhu Munchkin. It doesn't matter. They're all the same. It's just you, Yeah, just, they're all the same. Yeah. So what I don't like about it is the, the, the math that you have to keep track of everything. Oh, okay. I just found it sort of overly complicated. It is. It's overly complicated uh, because they they want you to look at the rules, and then the rules themselves are purposely written to be interpreted in many ways so that you have spirited arguments and debates about what the rules actually mean in terms of the card and, and what you've interpreted. As I recall, the ultimate rule, though, is if you have a disagreement about the rules, the owner of the game decides yeah and that has been invoked many times when i've played (laughs) no we're doing it this way all right fine it's your game moving on yeah and trying to teach somebody munchkin oh my god what a disaster so anyways uh, i'm not suggesting that that's what we do but you're right there are many many of those things out there and and maybe it'd be uh, well i I like the retro angle of finding the old stuff and trying to figure it out but um i bet you that would be dated uh but finding something new that neither of us have played that's X-Men related, that, that could also be that could also be interesting. Do both. We could do both. We could have a two-parter 300th episode. A six-hour episode. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, live-streamed. And the only way to see it is to watch it live because we're not going to record it, we're not going to save it, and we're not going to ever rebroadcast it. One and done. No one will ever see it then. <laughs> well, there's like seven people out there that would totally tune in <laughs> for like, you know, seven minutes each. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so if you've got ideas, I mean, we got we got time here, but uh, you you got ideas for the 300th episode, maybe even the 250th episode, uh, or just want to let us know what you're thinking in general, visit us at www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. Follow us at Danger Room Go. Uh, you can email us, dangerroom at redcapproductions.com. 
Uh, we're also on iTunes, of course. Just go out there, search the podcast section for Danger Room. We're the first one that shows up. And you could even leave us a voice message at 501-GET-X-MEN. That's 501-438-9636. And, as always, our theme music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. Adam, I have a question for you. Okay. Stan Lee, uh, have you heard of him? I have. He's a he's a guy somewhat involved in comic books. Actually, I just read his comic book biography. Oh, yeah? Which one? Um, it's the most recent one. Is it an uh, autobiography or just a biography? Yeah, it's an autobiography. Uh, he didn't draw it, obviously. Okay. But um, yeah, it's it's a as far as I know, it's only it only exists in hardcover right okay. now, so it's pretty fresh. I have a an older one. I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's a it's a biography of Stanley, and it, it does not actually paint a very uh, positive picture of Stanley. It paints him more of like a used car salesman kind of guy. <laughs> Which, uh, I don't know, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, but at this point in the game, like, he's Stan Lee. Like, whatever he did, he's Stan Lee. Yeah, regardless of, I mean, everybody, every human being has good points and bad points, right. but he's a very important figure, especially totally. in the world of comic books. Absolutely. Which brings me to my question. So, uh, Madison, which is where I live, has a comic con, very small comic con, but we had David Tennant, I think, last year. Oh, um, really? That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and this year, Stan Lee is actually going to be at the Madison Comic-Con, as well wow. as Lou Ferrigno and uh, I can't remember who else. Somebody else that was like, oh, really? How much does that person cost? Because that's what it's come down to, Adam, is these people come and how much does it cost to meet, quote unquote, meet them? It depends on the convention i'm I, I i'm finding out like uh the conventions actually set the prices okay based on the so so stanley's gonna be expensive because he's stanley well right um when i met well i didn't really meet him uh robert england it was free oh. and uh he even took a photo uh and it was like kind of his idea and then like the next day at the same con he was like charging 20 bucks because i think he realized wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> I'm losing can, money. I'm, everybody's taking photos of me. I should really, I should really charge for this. I'm Robert freaking England. So the question is, uh, yes, Stan Lee will be here, and and uh, obviously I've been essentially a lifelong comics reader. Um, I wrote uh, a report on Stan Lee in fifth grade. Wow. Yeah. Do you still have it? No, I oh, wish I did. I, it was terrible. It was very poorly written, but. You know, that's where I figured out, I found out like what his real name was. I went to the public library and I checked out all these books and plagiarized a lot of stuff, I'm sure. But anyways, uh, and and my daughter, she likes the uh, comic book movies. Not really so much the comic books. I think that's a medium that's maybe lost on on the newer generation. But she's also been reading like these Zodiac books, and apparently they're they're co-written or somehow affiliated also with Stan Lee. Oh. And uh, so she's like, we should meet Stan Lee. So we looked on the webpage, and I was like, good grief. <laughs> there's a cost to meet Stan Lee. There's a cost to get an autograph of Stan Lee, and there's a cost to get a picture of Stan Lee. There's really no cost to get all three of those things unless you buy the VIP package, which includes all this garbage I don't want. Yeah, when I was at a con, there was a Stan Lee package, which in retrospect, I kind of wish I'd done. It was very expensive. How much was yes. it? I was Canadian, so it it was probably like 300 Canadian. Oh, well, okay, so like two, two, 
60 to 70 Americans? Something like that. And okay. you get to have breakfast with Stan Lee and oh, a, a whole bunch of other people. And, of course, they throw in the autograph and the meet and greet and the, and the photo. Oh, no. Uh, okay. So it's like all of those things. Plus, you get to have breakfast with them. And who knows? For all I know, he probably sits separately at a different table, <laughs> comes over every so often. Hey, how's the food? <laughs> you know what I like to say about those eggs? Excelsior. All right, I'm off. I'm at my table. Have a good time, everybody. Um, no, so so that that would actually so it's, it, that was for one person, right? Trying to two two yes. whatever. So like, if you have uh, somebody that you're with, you would be double that, it's right? That yes, exactly. So 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 six hundred dollars. Uh, if you and a guest want to do the thing, uh, that's a lot of money. Um, it sure is. <laughs> now you throw breakfast in there, and I'm like, hmm. Even if even if you're just at a table of two hundred other people, and he says five minutes worth of stuff. Uh, and, well, for three hundred bucks, I'm betting it's not going to be two hundred other people. You don't think so? Well, maybe I'm, I'm fifty other know. people. Yeah, I would say I'd say closer to 50. okay. So okay, so fifty other people at a table. He says a few things. He probably you know does a round, real quick round, like good thanks for coming out, whatever. Uh, at that point, I'm like, nah, that's kind of a cool thing. But 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 the six hundred dollars here in Madison, there there ain't no breakfast that I saw in there. It was uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was like. Like a front row area for his panel, which okay, that's kind of that's okay, that's kind of neat. Uh, and then like a swag bag and some other junk and and a picture and an autograph and like that's it. And I'm just trying to figure. I'm like in in my mind, I'm like it's going to be a disaster. It's going to be in out. There goes your money. Tor- oh yeah, the, the the pictures are totally in out. The the autographs you usually can depending on what you say. You can get more time yeah. if you're interesting. Yeah. Well, and then the other thing is like, you know, okay, so you, so you get this time with this person and your time is fleeting, but 15, 25 seconds tops, right? Because they, they got all these other people that they need to get through the line and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Stanley, he's, he's 94. He's probably got like set hours. He's probably like, look, I'm, I'm in at 11 and I'm out by four. Right. Because yeah. I got to catch that fish fry because I'm a tired old man. And he deserves it, right? I'm not putting him down for that. Like, he's done his time. He doesn't need to do any more time. The fact that he's flying out from, what, I think Los Angeles to Madison for this Comic-Con is crazy to me, which is also kind of like, well, shouldn't I do this? Because he ain't coming back. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, you should. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you should accept the fact that it's probably going to be a whirlwind. But sometimes a whirlwind is worth it. I mean, I, I got my photo taken with Stanley, and it um, it was literally, like you said, they rushed us in, they rushed us out. I figured out the one thing that I was going to say to him, which was, like, thank you for all the stories, which I said. Mm-hmm. She smiled at me. I have no idea if he heard me or not. And uh, we took our picture and left, and, and that was it. And it was it was totally worth it. It probably cost... I want to say 60 bucks. See, now 60 bucks, I'm in. That's like 80 bucks Canadian. Yeah. Or maybe it was maybe it was 100 bucks Canadian and 80 bucks American. I don't know. It was not cheap. Uh, I think it's 100. But it was worth it. I think it's 120 bucks to get your photo. And that doesn't include an autograph. Like, if you want the autograph, that's like another level up. Now, he also came, like, I think three years ago. And that time, I believe it was cheaper. Well, the thing that kills me, and I've told this story in this podcast before is that when i was a kid he was just hanging yeah. out at a comic shop and a friend of ours went down and got me an autograph that says to jolly jeremy keep drawing or something like that because i was drawing at the time and i can't find it 
Anyways, all right. Well, I don't know if I'm going to get this question answered tonight, but it... So what was the question? Oh, should I do it? Oh, of course you should. (laughs) Yeah, well... What, what if I'm kind of a... a you, you shouldn't do the, the... I wouldn't do the... I mean, if the thing doesn't look like the $300 thing or whatever it was, if that doesn't look like it's going to be worthwhile, then I wouldn't do that. But I would definitely go do the... do the fo- do, Either do the photo or the autograph, whichever you think you're going to get more mileage out of. I want both. I want a photo and an autograph. I don't need, I don't need the photo of us autographed, but I would like a photo and an autograph. Like, even if it's like a bar napkin that just says his damn name, like, <laughs> thanks for reading, Stanley. That would be fine. And then I was like, I don't know. Are there rules? Like, can I bring like my oh, favorite? Oh, yeah. There, there's, there's rules. Well, of course there's rules. But can I bring my favorite Stan Lee piece of memorabilia? And will he sign it? Or I it believe have- that you can, yes. Oh, okay. It dep- I guess it depends, too. I, the one that I went to, yes. I believe he signed stuff that you brought. Because I went to a book signing of, um, of uh, Bruce Campbell's once. And uh, uh, it was free to get in, which was cool. Uh, it was packed, so I didn't actually see Bruce Campbell because it was in a bookstore, and I was like behind like a bookshelf, like trying <laughs> desperately to look over the bookshelf to see him. But I could hear him clearly, and you know all of his anecdotes and everything were very funny. It was it was well worth my time. And he's like, "All right, you guys, thanks for listening. I'm going to be here until the last book is signed." I'm only signing books, and if you want a book, you can buy them over there. And I was like, oh, damn. Like, if I would have had, like, a DVD or VHS, he wouldn't have signed it. It's like, it's just books. This is the rules. Mm. Only that. Which makes sense. He was trying to sell his book. Bruce Campbell is a very uh, particular person I hear on the... I guess, I guess he's really uh, mean to his fans, but like in a in a fun sort of way. Oh, like, yeah. like he makes fun of the whole fan experience. Yeah. And it's I think people kind of enjoy his meanness. I don't think he is genuinely a mean person, but I think that's the character he plays lately. Yeah. No, I have seen him twice, and both times he was very entertaining. One time somebody asked him, like, what it was like to work with his doppelganger, and he just had a lot of fun with it. He's like, my doppelganger? What are you talking about? And the guy's like, in in Army of Darkness, you had two heads. One of them was your doppelganger. He's like, look, that was makeup. I got a stunt guy. I got a stand-in. Like, which doppelganger are you talking about? It was funny. But, But he was all in good fun. Anyhow, yeah, so, well, we've wasted enough time on that. Uh, did we do any other reading, Adam? I read New Mutants number 44, which I will say is, uh, it was briefly a Legion story. Uh, Legion, Legion, we, we, we catch up with what's going on with Legion, which is an accident happens in Professor uh, on Muir Island in, uh, what's her name? Rain? Um, Rain? Rain's mom. Oh, Moira McTaggart? Moira McTaggart's lab. And uh, uh, the the Jack character, remember remember Jack from the, the one of the personalities of Legion, Jack Wayne. Jack Wayne takes over, and he's uh, really bad. Yeah, as we knew. I read half the issue, and yeah, he's 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 kind of an angry guy. So yeah, that gets resolved. Okay, everybody's well, okay in the end. What was the time slip? I know there was a time slip when they went into limbo. It was uh, just, was it just the next morning? It wasn't like a month later. Well, why don't you talk about X Factor and I'll look it up. <laughs> oh, it's probably not an important detail, but that's as far as I got into the episode, and I was like, or the issue, and I was like, I can't read any more of this. Um, X Factor. Uh, as we left off last issue, Gene uh, found out that Cyclops is married, and uh, at the end of the whole bulk and glowworm thing, she's like, "Cyclops, you and I are going to have a talk." And apparently, between issues, they had a talk because at the beginning of this issue, they're they're addressing it. Gene's uh, like, "Let me see a picture of her." Uh, so Cyclops does show her pictures. Like, oh my gosh, you've got a. A girl? And he's like, no, a son. She's like, oh, I always thought we'd have a girl. 
Boy, oh, she looks that's, that's nice. Yeah, and then it's she's like, it's like a phoenix reference. Kind of, yeah, kind of maybe a reference to Rachel. And then she's like, uh, "Boy, she looks an awful like an awful lot like me." And uh, Cyclops is like, "Oh man, it should have been you." And uh, Jean's like, "Stop it! You have a wife. You have a son. You can't abandon them." Like, if I wouldn't have found this out, you'd have been carrying on this line i'd still be throwing myself at you so she's she's not really happy she's and she's also kind of uh she's put this behind her she's like look i get it you thought i died everybody thought i died you moved on with your life but don't screw this up you're scott summers go deal with your problems and so um let's see i didn't do any notes for this one so i'm a little disorganized uh after the adventure last uh, issue, Rusty was posing as one of the X-Factor members, and uh, Mystique caught that on tape, and she thought that this would be a perfect mission for Freedom Force to embark on to capture the fugitive Rusty Collins, but she can't quite figure out what the connection between Rusty and X-Factor is, and apparently Destiny can't either because there's a cloud of uncertainty that surrounds the entire X-Factor group. Um, Angel tries to confront Jean to explain why they were keeping this from her, how difficult it was, uh, etc. Cyclops misinterprets that as Angel trying to put the moves on his ex-girlfriend. So he gets a little hot and bothered as they have just gotten a phone call about some goings-ons in Central Park. Hmm, I wonder what that Ooh. could be a reference to. How about that? So there is actually a little conversation about should they show up as the exterminators or should they show up as X-Factor? And they decide to go as X-Factor because if they show up as the exterminators, they'll just be another evil mutant group joining the fray. And uh, Rusty shows up and is like, hey, I had fun yesterday. I should come out with you again. Cyclops snaps at him. And, uh, well, Rusty kind of goes off. and He's like, oh, man, I thought everything was cool. Guess it's not. Guess I'm stuck in here. This isn't any better than a prison. Um... Artie shows an image to Rusty of X-Factor's helicopter and then another helicopter trailing after X-Factor. And Rusty's like, oh my gosh, are those the bad guys? We got to go warn somebody. And uh, so they go to try to tell Cameron Hodge. Cameron Hodge is like, get out of here. I can't talk to you right now. I'm talking to the mayor. And so this is planting the seeds of maybe Cameron Hodge isn't quite what he seems. At least Rusty and Artie are losing some trust in him. So Rusty heads out to Central Park to warn X-Factor about the people that are following him, but it's a little too late because in front of them an explosion occurs, which I can only guess is probably Shaw landing into Nimrod. But behind them an avalanche occurs and Freedom Force is there. Um, Mystique orders Spiral to do something, but she's like, wait a minute, I sense something. I'm out of here. And she disappears. So I guess that... That time isn't quite right. I don't know what that explosion is then. Because wasn't Spiral courting Rachel well before uh, Shaw blows up into Nimrod? Maybe the explosion was when Nimrod shows up. Oh, that could be. Anyways, yeah, there's all sorts of... Uh, uh, well, first of all, uh, one of the X-Factor folks, I, it's either Cyclops, I think it's Cyclops, is like, oh... Uh, Mystique, your troops are disciplined, just leaving you like that. And uh, she's like, do we know him, Destiny? Destiny's like, I don't know. There's a poss bunch of possibilities around this team, especially her. She points at Jean. So uh, the former um, Brotherhood of Evil Mutants does not recognize these folks as X-Men. So they begin to fight. Jean right, uses... Which, which is like a phoenix sort of thing, right? What do you mean? Oh, yeah, totally. So so we have two phoenixes now? Well, no. Or does that ever, does that ever get touched upon or explained, or does just Rachel stop being phoenix? I don't know. 
<laughs> okay. We'll, well, we'll keep track. We'll get there. Put when a we, pin in it. Yeah, put a pin in the whole Phoenix thing. Uh, for sure right now, Gene is not Phoenix. I guess we can't say that because we've actually seen a Phoenix effect around Gene. She's not aware that she's Phoenix if she is a Phoenix. Let's put it that way. Anyways, yeah, they're here for uh, Rusty. They point it out. They point out uh, uh, they got a warrant. Um, Rusty sets that thing on fire. And that's where a young woman we met last issue, but I don't remember if I brought her up. Her name is Skids. I think I brought her up. Yeah, uh, you did. She's a Morlock. Mask has tried messing around with her face, but he can't. Uh, and so she jumps in and rescues uh, Rusty from Spider-Woman. And uh, Rusty's like, oh, my gosh, you're you're beautiful and i can't set you on fire because you have a personal force field i'll follow you anywhere you want to go uh so they they run off uh there's a mob that's formed that they want to take the mutie out who they see as rusty um and skids skids is like look i got a force field you take off so she confronts the mob the mob starts throwing bricks and rusty's like she can't she can't put up with that forever so she comes back for her and uh he he's able to control his power because he's been working with x factor so he's like setting bricks and rocks on fire that are being hurled at them and uh and he's like oh, I can't, i'm not gonna be able to do this forever um but he looks over at the beautiful girl at his side and he's like you know this wouldn't be such a way to die uh, such a bad way to die there's definitely an instant attraction thing happening between the two of these uh, but before they can move on it, uh, Freedom Force shows up and they're like, you're under arrest. And X-Factor is like, well, that other mutant battle's gone, but looks like we got some other troubles. Let's go see if we can get rusty. Troubles. Next issue promises that there's going to be Magneto and an all-out fight with Freedom Force. Which is a bit misleading. <laughs> Magneto is in next issue. That's true, but it's not Magneto exclamation mark. It's more... Magneto. Oh, it's it's yeah, definitely question mark. It's definitely exclamation mark. It's, yeah, it's definitely lowercase small letters. Magneto. <laughs> <laughs> not 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 giant red letters. Uh, exclamation point. Magneto. And that's X Factor number eight. So uh, the the time slip in New Mutants was just a day. Okay. They they just they came back an hour uh, a day later than they had intended to. Okay. So all the nonsense that happened with Legion had already happened by the time New Mutants got there. Gotcha. The only other interesting thing that happened in that issue was we, we meet more about Reverend Craig, who is the uh, reverend who, I guess, raised Rain. Oh, or, oh right, uh, right, right. Some, 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 I don't really exactly know what's, what their relationship is, except that he thinks mutants are demons, and he's obviously put that into her head. That must have been on the back half of the issue, because I don't recall seeing him. It is the last few pages. Okay. Yeah. Also, uh, I guess we took a look at... Uh... Well, I took a look at Vision and the Scarlet Witch 11, and I like look at looked at like four pages of Scarlet Witch uh, 12. There is not a lot to talk about in either of these, um, unless you're really interested in Toad. Then one nice thing about Vision and Scarlet Witch 11, which basically the plot is that Toad returns to, to uh, kill Vision and get uh, Scarlet Witch to be three. his... Three issues this guy's had, like Vision and the Scarlet Witch is a 12-part miniseries, and three, like a quarter of the issues have been surrounding Toad. He's uh, he's very important. No, he's, he's not. I feel like the writers are like, what are we going to do now? I don't know. How about we put Toad back in? All right. <laughs> like there I guess- is, There is a great panel where he is running around in the stranger's world, and the stranger's walking by in a giant, like a giant stranger mm-hmm. is in this- uh, I think the huge door. I think the important thing is uh, Spider-Man shows up and he's like, "Hey, Toad! They started the what? What do they call themselves? The 
the all wiener group. Uh, yeah, he Spider Man says I called them the all wiener squad. Right, it was Toad, the Frog Boy, and Spider Boy, or whatever. Which I had asked, like, wait, what happened about that? And apparently, what had happened is that when Toad was hanging out with those guys, he was like all nice and aw shucks. But when he was not with them, he was all like, "Ooh, I want me some Scarlet Witch." Yeah, yeah, it's kind of dumb. But anyways, uh, apparently, like that all fulfills itself when she he, when toad finally gets the scarlet witch and he's like ew you're fat <laughs> and she's like i'm not fat i'm pregnant and he's like ew and yeah. then a very nice panel at the end she kind of looks at her profile and she's like uh well she says like whatever the phrase is but like yuck you're crazy like this yeah. this body's beautiful exactly so that was that was kind of a nice end of issue number 11 and then 12 so here, here's the thing i gotta i gotta say about 12 I didn't read it. It's double-sized. I thumbed through it. What's that? Magneto's in it. Uh, Ah, yeah, yeah. It looked like he was uh, very cartoonishly fighting some other evil people. But uh, the real question I had was, um, I thought Scarlet Witch couldn't have babies. According to what? The future. I I don't know nothing about Scarlet Witch or Vision. (laughs) Okay. But I can tell you that these, um, these, these babies... Yeah. Uh, the, the the twins that she has, the uh-huh. two boys, yeah. both of which she named after uh, Vision, um, and much to Magneto's chagrin, he's just like, oh, well, at least she lets me be here. You don't want to name one of them Magnus or <laughs> Eric for I some reason? Um, the, they, I don't know. I don't know how it happens. I just know that at some point they disappear and uh, eventually they reappear as the Young Avengers. So if you're familiar with the comic that came out like, I don't know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, between 10 and 20 years ago, the Young Avengers, yeah. those are her, her grown-up kids. Okay. Some of them are. I don't even know which ones. I mean, this, for me anyways, really takes the, the wind out of the sails of House of M. Well, by then, those kids are gone. Like dead? Well, they disappear. Oh, again? Uh, no, they disappear oh. before, like, House of Men is before Young Avengers. Okay, okay, okay. So she has babies. Babies disappear. She wants to have more babies. She can't have babies. House of M, then Young Avengers. And now she's back. Okay, all right. I'm spoiling a little bit of stuff, but I'm, I'm that's, that's, like, way in the future. Yeah, I mean... I, sound about right? What do I have about right? Yeah, more or less. I mean, okay. I, I don't know how the babies disappear. Okay. I don't, and I don't know if anything that we're reading will uncover that. No. I might try to find out, but... I probably won't. Okay. All right. Any any interesting thing happen with the cartoony battle between Magneto and those bad guys? Because I saw some pages of that, but I didn't read it. I just kept flipping. I was like, does you know, she have the babies? And she had the babies. Yeah, she has the babies. They're boys. Yeah. And uh, Magneto fights. I, I'm not too sure about the whole cast. Like, it's it's like, okay, so there's, there's Vision, mm-hmm. who is in the body of... Wonder Man. Um, the Human Torch. Oh, right. The old Human Torch from the 40s. Yep. And he has the mind of Simon Williams, Wonder Man. Yeah. But then there's also Simon Williams, Wonder Man. And then there's their their other brother, the, the Grim Reaper. Oh, right. Yep. Who is also in this, but he's a zombie. And then there's the lady who loves the Grim Reaper, even though her power is stemmed from her hating things. And that's her one weakness is that she loves the Grim Reaper. Hmm. And she brings him back as a zombie. But you can't let the zombie know that he's a zombie or he'll lose all motivation. And of course, he finds out that he's a zombie. I mean, that's sort of the fight with Magneto. Okay. He comes in and says, I'm Magneto. <laughs> Sounds he like teams it. up with Simon Williams, uh, Wonder Man. Sounds like I didn't miss anything. It's not terrific, but it's entertaining. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, I like reading all this side stuff. Yeah. 
Both boys named from Vision's side of the family. Ah, but what can I expect? It's enough that she allows me to visit for now. Yep. Well, there you go. There you go. Oh, and if you, uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but last time we talked about Vision and Scarlet Witch, uh, we learned that Crystal was having an affair. Oh, that's right. That's right. It turns out she was having an affair. <laughs> right. Uh, I must not have read the whole thing. But uh, um, uh, Quicksilver, he like runs to the North Pole and he's like, he finds a guy. He's like, you, are you married? And he's like, um, yeah. He's like, oh my God, even here <laughs> I'm an outcast. You have a wife that doesn't cheat on you. Rah! So we learned that uh Crystal, almost forgot her name for a second, uh, cheats on Quicksilver because he's he's not a very, um, he doesn't pay a lot of attention to her and buries himself in his work and never sees his family and is basically ignoring her. Well, just, I never, that's a storyline I was never aware of. And then I know eventually, like, I don't think they get back together because Crystal ends up in Fantastic Four Oh, it, John that- Burns' run. As a Johnny Storm love interest, right? Yes, but at the time, Johnny Storm is dating Alicia Masters. Ah, yes. So. That he stole he, from the thing. The, yes, and they're, and the thing is back in too, and he's all upset, but he can't really do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Ooh, what a tangled web we weave. Yeah. All right. Um, you got anything else? I do not have anything else. All right, then. Until next time, everybody, my name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the danger room is closed. Yeah.